0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com.
1: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit jabberjawmedia.com for more shows like this one.
2: This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2.
3: It's time to greet your team, Riley. It's
1: anger. Let me at him.
3: Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew. Ew.
1: Sadness is in the
3: house. Oh no.
1: Hello. I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions.
2: Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2.
3: There's a part two? We're going!
2: Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday.
3: Get tickets now.
2: right it's the x-man podcast it's your boy doc coyle kicking it in pennington uh british columbia in 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 canada i don't know if i'm saying that right penic pennington i don't know guys it's the last show of a canadian tour it's the last show of the year for for the bad wolves boys and myself and uh it's been a long one I'm not gonna. Li- I'm not gonna front. Your boy has a uh, crawl to the finish line, <laughs> lacking energy, and uh, you know, in 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 all the senses, whether that's physical, mental, or emotional. So it's uh It is. I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie. I'm definitely uh, happy to to wrap things up. Although, it's been a great year, and so much has happened. And if you've been listening to the show all year, you've you know really been a part of it and gotten to hear every every step as it has kind of existed but um but yeah it's it's been it's been a long run and uh yeah this this Canadian tour has been really great uh shows have been a lot of people at great responses people are really liking the band out here and uh the three days grace and nothing more guys have been incredible so just wanted to say thanks to all them and uh you know it's it's kind of interesting you know i'm I don't think I'm able yet to kind of reflect on everything that's happened this year. I don't, I don't, hopefully I'll be able to get another show out before the end of the year, but I'm basically doing this show today and then I fly to New York and New Jersey, spend some time with friends and family, uh, for a few days and then I head back to LA. So yeah, actually I'll, I'll, I'll probably be able to have a show out before the end of the year. So this is the last one. So let's not, let's not sum everything up, um, at this, at this moment, but, um, no, I just wanted to, uh, yeah. I guess it's, it's difficult not to be at the last show and not not be reflective. But anyway, I'm looking forward to some some time off, you know. And also wanted to give you guys kind of a heads up, you know, uh, coming up we have a uh, Barry Stock from Three Days Grace my guest. As you know, if you've already downloaded this, but um, you know, I've kind of been resorting to guests of convenience, and this is not to uh, denigrate any of the guests I've had recently, but it's just. If you notice, I've essentially been talking to the bands we've been touring with, which is, you know, in some ways very advantageous, but in some ways it's not completely reflective of the theme of this show, which is kind of to talk to ex members and ex exes. You guys know the deal. So, what I'm gonna do, you know, I think come new year, you know, it's really kind of try and refocus some of that stuff, and I have a master list of people I want to talk to, and I'm really gonna try and nail some of those things down. So, there's a uh, the NAM conference is coming through uh, Southern California in January, so I'm gonna try and see if I can talk to some people there, and then I'll also be on Shiprocked, which is a rock and roll cruise. I'll be there part of the stowaways, and um, I'm gonna try and get some interviews there as well so i'm really gonna try and get get back to hopefully getting to doing for a month once a week um you know i'm gonna try and do that hopefully i can i can keep up with that schedule like i said the the touring just really kind of took its toll on me this year and just with the resources and time and everything it just wasn't always feasible to do four a so my, my apologies but for those who have been uh sticking out for the shows i have been doing i really Really appreciate that. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else to announce. Oh, uh, Battle's just confirmed and just announced a tour with Papa Roach and Asking Alexandria next July. It goes July to September. So end of summer tour. That should be pretty badass. And, uh, yeah, we're doing some festivals. Uh, Sonic Temple Festival, which used to be Rock on the Range. So we're going to be doing that. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be next year is already shaping up so oh yeah i gotta tell you guys a story so so last night we were uh playing in british columbia not too far from vancouver and chad kroger from nickelback came out and we were like super pumped because we're going we're going to australia in in february with nickelback battles is it's the next shows we actually have booked and you know we're only a little excited no i'm kidding we're fucking super pumped you know we're like we're gonna we had this dream me and chris from bad Wolves, like yo man we need to party with chad kroger right because we i don't know if this guy's like he's reserved he's a businessman maybe you know maybe you won't even see him right he's just one of these guys sometimes you you tour big bands, you never even see these motherfuckers right but this dude came out hung out yesterday and it was everything we could have dreamed of, dreamt of dude was cool as shit was hanging was partying i'm like hell yeah i cannot wait to get to australia and hang with as i say the kroge all right and we're gonna be touring with the back and hanging with the kroge and this dude you know if you saw my instagram you might have seen seen some stuff but we was having a good old time last night so i I think that made the whole canadian tour all worthwhile and if you want to send me nickelback hate lick my ass all right you you, you picked the wrong motherfucker all right because i don't play that shit so i'll be feeling some nickelback you know what that's right. I said it. If you don't like him, kick rocks, son. I don't care. I do not care. Anyway, another thing I want to talk about real quick is I mentioned on the last episode, but you know I still got to push it. If you guys don't know, we have X-Man podcast t-shirts now. I am really excited about that. And that is available exclusively through Um, If you want a link, you can go to .coil.net. Backslash shop. And up there you also see there's just a regular dot coil t-shirt. Uh the the committed to forever being in some band. It's hilarious. Um and also added on the store through my website a dot coil pick pack, and that includes two bad wolves picks, dockest hour pick, Vegas Nerve, and Robodoc, the infamous Robodoc. And you can also get a signed eight by ten. Uh, On this, like, black and white cardstock from my guitar company, ESP. And you guys, you know, I don't really ask you guys for much. You know, I don't think so. Maybe I do. I don't know. But if you want to support the show, this is a great way to support the show because, uh, you know, we got to keep the lights on over here at the, um, at the X Men Mansion, you know they're just you know they they were they will not keep themselves on. So definitely check that out. And you know I'm really happy with the with the way the X Men T shirt came out. And it's on the slim fit, nice soft material. It's not gonna be on that cardboard shit that would be tearing up your nipples. You know because I don't I don't live that life. And uh, real quick before we get into our talk, I actually want to talk about this week's sponsor. We have a band called Davila. And this is actually a repeat sponsor. And it's a buddy, old buddy of mine from New Jersey named Aaron's Band. And we're going to play a track entitled Fatal Memories from their album, Inherent. Check it out. So that was Davila with their track Fatal Memories from the Inherent album and uh, just so you know they have just started rehearsals in northern New Jersey uh, to do some shows coming up and they are still looking for guitar players and anyone I guess who's interested in uh, helping helping out with the, with the band definitely check them out on their website and for, just so you know the way it's spelled it's D-A-V-O-L-A. And check them out at their website, davilaofficial.com. You can get some free music over there. And if you like that inherent album, I thought that track was really cool. Um, you can go to DavilaMetal.Bandcamp.com. They're also you can buy the record on CD Baby and their social media pretty much on Facebook and Instagram is Davila Metal and Twitter. It's twitter.com backslash. Davila. Definitely check them out. And also, oh, one more thing. They will be dropping a lyric video for that track on Thursday, December 21st. I want to thank them so much for supporting the show. Big shout out to Aaron. I really appreciate I appreciate you, buddy. And uh, I think the music is really good. And hopefully the X-Men fans like it as well. So definitely support that band. If you are interested in sponsoring this show, hit me up on social media or drop me an email at the X-Man Podcast at gmail.com. And that is E x anyway with all the business out of the way let's uh let's talk real quick about our guest barry stock so i knew virtually nothing about three days grace before touring with them outside of probably like a a lot of you guys just hearing their songs on the radio because it seems like they've just been on the radio and their stuff's been in commercials and movie they've just been everywhere for years and you know i had like i said very little knowledge about them and it's been a real education man just to see you know this kind of other side of sides of the industry that you don't really know about until you get kind of a front seat to it and couldn't find a nicer band couldn't find someone who's, who's more humble while also being successful for a really long period of time and barry's just as they say in, in new york a real mensch you know he's just a real great guy you know the opposite of those you know musicians who kind of go on tour and hide out he's always around he's like hanging around our sound checks and coming in the dressing room and he's just one of those dudes and you know and anytime i have someone like that i say i need to get this motherfucker on the show and thankfully he said yes and um now we're getting married no he said yes and we did an interview and i thought it was a lot of fun so definitely check out my conversation with my new friend barry stock Here we are. We're in Edmonton. All right. Uh, there's no oil. Did you get any oil today? Zero. Motherfuckers, none. man. That's how they do it, you know. So uh, it is, uh, you know, I actually have to say, considering we're, we're touring Canada in the, uh, I wouldn't say the dead of winter, but kind of the beginning of winter in, in December, it's actually pretty, it's not that bad right now.
0: No, it'll, it will get much worse. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're doing all right. There is snow on the ground, but it ain't, uh, it ain't minus 30. Yet.
2: that's what I'm saying it's it's, it's not minus 30 we're, we're, all, we're both a little um, foggy from last night um <laughs> you know but that's only because we were we, we just stayed extra long at church yeah right <laughs> I don't think people really really realize what what goes down well, well Barry welcome to the x-man podcast Hey, thanks man thanks for having me no 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 problem man uh you know this is the <clears throat> the second tour we've done together in a few months we've've yeah. we've trekked across Europe now we trekked across Canada and uh, no, it's been uh, it's been really, really great to get to know you guys and kind of, you know, see how this would work out. Because I know for for us, we were, I would say we were nervous, but we, you know, we were like, oh man, hope, hopefully we're not too heavy or or too, you know, or, you know, because um, you guys are a pretty, you know, mainstream, I don't know what, I don't even know what you would describe it uh, as. I hate categories, but yeah, yeah I, I
0: guess we're, you know, middle of the road rock. Like, you know. middle, middle of the... I'm not. I'm not sure what what to call it. I don't know.
2: (laughs) Well, I so so for this show, sometimes I'll do some research. Sometimes I won't do research. I did a little bit. I did I I did a little bit of research, and I saw you. uh, You joined the band after the first record.
0: Yeah, before we started touring. Yeah, they were just like we'd become friends probably six months prior, and I knew we we uh, you know we we had a place in Toronto. It was like a rehearsal building it had many rooms and stuff and i was in another band and we just finished a record and and the 3 days guys were uh, completing their record it wasn't out yet but i got to know them just hanging out in the halls and and stuff like that and then their their management and everybody the label wanted them to have another guitar player you know uh, adam you know he was on the guitar the whole time and they just saw it visually So and they sound, were like a 3 piece? Just, yeah. Okay. Originally they were 3 guys and then uh, but they really wanted a fourth guy like an actual guitar player uh, you know, make it more exciting and fill out the sound and da da da. And uh, what's funny was because I like I said I just finished a record that I was working on for a couple of years with some guys and and when they asked me if I would do it I kind of I it was a uncomfortable situation for me at first because I really liked the guys and I loved the music and what yeah. they were doing and I. You know, I saw they were going to go places. I thought, they were, you know, this, this band's really cool. and But it was hard for me to let go of, uh, you know, what I was doing in the band I was in, because I was committed to that for a few years. So so I did tell their management when they asked me, I said, well, I, I don't know that I could do it, but I'll, I'll happily. They had some showcases coming up in, mm-hmm. in America that were really important to them. And, and Hate was just getting on the radio. and. So I said I'll, I'll totally do all that. I'll I'll do whatever I can because I really I really like these guys and 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 as soon as we started doing these shows and we played the first couple of shows, we just connected. We just yeah. totally jived together. So so I I did tell my other band I had to leave and you know obviously it was the right decision. So so I I saw
2: that the first single was I hate everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone That's pretty it. nuts. It, in a way, I guess it's almost similar to to our situation where like the first kind of thing we put out ends up kind of being this Mm. phenomenon so you you know i guess we can kind of relate to on that kind of situation where you're a part of something that becomes kind of a little bit Bigger than you or something that goes beyond what you expected? Or did, did you expect all that stuff to happen back then?
0: I don't know that we really expected anything. You yeah. know, we were, but it, it did take off and it and, and hate was on the radio a long time. You know, 50 something weeks in the, you know, up in the charts. And it was listen it was amazing remember. for us to, so very much like <laughs> yourselves, you know, that was... It was, you know, we had to follow that up with, you know, and we just kept bringing up but what, what a lot of people don't uh, realize is that hate was not a number one for us. It wasn't. No, it actually on on, on Billboard it went to number two, and at the time, I, I think we were we were about two hundred and fifty spins behind uh, uh, Lincoln Park, and uh, and their management and everything said, you know, guys, I don't I don't know that even if we really push on this that we will get there. So let's. Really pushed the second single, which was just like you, and and that was our first number one. So it was kind of interesting because people, a lot of people, believe like that was our. It, I mean, it definitely is one of our biggest songs. But it's the song it to really me knows. when
2: I think of the band yeah. that kind of comes comes to mind the most, or the one that that's that's when I oh, this is the band that does that. But I, I would say too torn with you guys. You know, you're one of those bands where you'll hear a song or another song or three or four songs like. Oh, they did that one too. <laughs> like you're in a, in in a way, the um, the songs almost um, are more of an ambassador for the band than the kind of face of the band or the name of the band is. You know those. You know right. your songs are kind of superfluous in so many different ways, whether it's radio or I don't know if you guys had had songs in movies or TV shows or things like that, where it's just kind of there in the culture and in, right. and, you know, kind of sur- surrounding yourself. And I, that was, uh it's really cool, I think, for, for us because, you know, starting and kind of trying to figure out this end of, of, of the industry has been really, I don't want to say confusing, but it's been it's been like eye-opening. Like, okay, and then you see a band like you guys where you guys do an hour and a half set and it's just hit after hit
0: <laughs> after hit after hit.
2: And for people who don't know, you guys broke... van halen's record for most number one rock songs
0: 14 number ones on billboard so we just beat him out which for me you know i'm I'm a little older than the other guys and i grew up on van Halen. i love that band so it was pretty surreal for me for for when that when that happened you know you know when we started this did we ever think that would happen no so what was the
2: most recent number one Mm-hmm. What was the most recent number one? Infrared. Infrared off, did go number yeah, off,
0: one. Yeah, Outsider. Yeah, that's fucking awesome.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's a good. That, that that's a good jam. So I mean, we we kind of talked about it a, a, a little bit, um, just hanging out. But I mean, do you guys do you have the secret sauce? You can tell us here. What's a, <laughs> what's what's the secret to the hits, I, man? I think
0: we just it's it's our work ethic. You know, I, I think it's nothing more than that. You know, I don't, I don't think we're you know geniuses by any stretch. You know, we're just normal guys that write tunes. But we, our work ethic, we we you know there's there's songs we have that we've rewritten ten times, and I'm not yeah. even exaggerating. Changed up the lyrics, changed this. Like when we write a record and go in and record and everything, it's you know it's it's never done until it's it's printed.
2: Well, one thing here. I notice about looking at your catalog is. There's three years between every record, which mm-hmm. tells me you guys, you do take. You're not in a rush to be like, all right, no. we gotta get out, we gotta out. You're, you're, so you're you're saying. So, despite the fact that you guys work really hard on the songs, has there been a situation where something just flows out in five minutes and then it is what it is, or is it always everything very labored and, and detail oriented? Well,
0: sometimes it does, but what's again, what's funny about us is just the way we work. Is like you know. I mean, a lot of times your first instinct on something is a lot of times the right one. Yeah. You know, so we'll write something in which ah, uh, you know, but then we'll go around this huge circle, and 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 work at every possible angle we can, try different things, and and a lot of times we end up right back where we started, which mm-hmm. was our first instinct that that yeah. was good. You know, when we're in the room and all four of us are high fiving because that's how we write too. You know, I know a lot of bands write very differently, but we we all write together. You know, we'll sit in a room together. You know, everybody, as we're touring, we don't write very well on the road. Yeah. Um, so we. that's why three years in between, record, we'll put out a record. Usually we tour, you know, 18 months to two years, and then we take the full year off to take the time, seclude ourselves, and do this writing, you know what I mean? So... You know it's just it's just kind of the way we work you know uh, and but like i said sometimes things do just come like that we all high five but then i don't know why but we hey let's try this what if we tried that and then yeah. like i said sometimes we can go full circle and we end up right back but you would never know that's just the way we work you would never know if you didn't at least give it all those opportunities to try different things you know
2: yeah that's like uh john in our band like he'll one he just he's he's relentless in the studio where he'll just go all day he doesn't need to take a. he doesn't need to eat he doesn't need to take a smoke break he's just he'll he'll, he'll just grind it out but part of that is looking at an idea from every angle possible and kind of examining yeah. all right let's try this even if it's stupid yeah let's just try it yeah you know and um I definitely have a lot of respect for that and I'm, I guess I'm I'm like that in a in a certain certain respect like for me it's always uh you know, because my old band, God forbid, we used to pretty much do like you said. We would just write in in a room, or maybe someone would come with a riff, mm-hmm. and then we kind of bounce, we jam, and kind of bounce things off of each other. But in recent years, when I've kind of done different things with different bands, and kind of you know been said you know been brought on to write for other people, it's just me in front of a computer and be like, okay, mm. all right, <laughs> where where are we going? It's 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 very much the kind of. Um, the empty kind of sketch pad, yeah. kind of idea of like, okay, let's let's make a, something out of nothing here, and, and kind of see see, see what happens. And, and for me, it really is just kind of like, all right, it's just throwing darts. See what? Okay, what, what, what's what's going on? The fuck, okay, there's something. What's that? All right, and then you kind of follow the rabbit hole, and that usually leads to other rabbit holes. And, yeah,
0: exactly. Right?
2: You know, but I, I definitely personally really enjoy that experience of of writing in a room, especially when you have great great chemistry.
0: Yeah, and it's not always easy, like, so, you know, with us sometimes. But we work in a way, like, you know, where if three guys are high-fiving and one isn't, say, I don't like a line in the song or there's something that's bothering me, as opposed to us saying, well, you know, you know, three against one, you know, live with it kind of thing. We've never done that either. So if there's anything that concerns anybody, ultimately at the end of the day, we all need to be high-fiving. Yeah. You know, so if it's something that I don't like a line, neither will change it or they'll convince me why it's a cool. You know, that kind of thing. So we we just again when we're all high five at the end of the day, then we we believe we've got, you know, done the best we can with that tune.
2: Was it uh the similar process with the original singer?
0: Yeah, it's always been the same. Yeah. You know, from day 1, that's the way we worked. Again, I didn't uh, work on the writing of that first record, yeah. but everything from then since and You know, when we went in to do 1X uh, after that touring cycle, same thing. You know, and we kind of, like I said, in our touring, we don't write. But everybody's got ideas. You know, when I say we don't write, I mean, there's riffs. There's, there's, you know, maybe titles of songs, cool things you want to write about. And then when we do eventually get in a room, we all collectively sit down and, and pull out. You know everybody shows their ideas and we and we pull out and that's interesting sometimes too because when you write something as i'm sure as you know you know you're you're you take pride in it you think it's really cool and and sometimes if it just gets passed and nobody even likes that cool riff you thought was awesome you know uh, and they obviously they don't like it It doesn't mean they don't like you yeah you know so you gotta you gotta learn to 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 do that yeah you
2: have have to create some distance between your creation because i think we all have a you have a little bit of ego invested Mm -hmm. in that because in a way your music is you Mm -hmm. (laughs) it it, it, you know i know it's not judging you but it is part of you so it's if people reject it 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 sometimes does feel like people are rejecting you but i think part of getting to the best place is developing that that thick skin and being able to say okay i like it and it's okay if they don't like it you know like i'm the type of person that a riff is never dead for me like i'll I'll pull something from the from the twenty year archives. I don't care, yeah. Because you know? <laughs> of it, because I, I guess my theory is that if it sticks with you, then there's something, there's a kernel there, you know. Yeah. Any 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 idea that kind of like just won't leave your head or won't kind of leave your consciousness all, always. Um, it can just you know be be useful, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I never I never throw anything away.
0: Yeah, we're kind of like that too. I mean, uh, it, sometimes you know because you'll have a, a song uh like when we um did one x like uh i had the world so cold thing going on and it just wasn't right on that record so it just got passed off and you know i had that riff and stuff and and it just got passed aside i think it just wasn't the right time but then the next record came and all of a sudden it was one of those things it was just started playing that again it was like oh that's you know that makes sense now yeah you know which is neat uh, one of the things
2: I was I was thinking, and you've probably been asked this question a lot, so hopefully it doesn't bore you to, bore you too much. Um, but it's difficult not to look at a band like you guys, and you know, Theory of a Dead Man, and uh, Nickelback, and and all these kind of uh, Canadian rock bands that have this knack for catchy songwriting and have had a, a lot of success. Is there something about uh, the Canadian rock scene or the culture here do you think lends us to, to this kind of wave of of, of bands and great song,
0: songwriting? I'm not really sure. I've never really put a lot of thought to that, to be honest. So you haven't it, been asked this question a much. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't know. I and mean, like I said, I don't, we don't even really try to overthink, you know, anything like we, You know, we just we just we just do what we do. We write. We you know, I try not to overanalyze. You know, as far as other yeah, we've got some pretty. But did you come up with like a group
2: of bands, or was it kind of you guys were doing your own thing?
0: Yeah, we were just doing our own thing. I mean, we've always just done our own thing. You know, we haven't really followed anybody. We just kind of knew what worked for us, and and you know, sort of stick to that that you know way of songwriting seems to work. And you know, and and, you know, the kind of songs we write really are music for us is therapy. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're like many people, I, I get depressed and so do other guys in the band at times and, you know, we go through our ups and downs and so we write songs about that. And I think that's what, you know, our fan base really attaches to that because they believe, wow, that's my story. Mm-hmm. But little do they know, it's, that's actually our story. We wrote that for us first. It's kind of our way of to say, hey, pick yourself up, you know. You know, our, our, our songs have generally a lot, of, a, a similar kind of, um, you know, maybe bleak, things but then there's always that twist of hope in the end you know and and it's really the story of our lives and and our fans seem to connect with that that sort of lyrical thing right so we really try to focus on the the lyric a lot you know it's important
2: yeah i mean i think for for me this this whole year you know for being being on the road and and getting the kind of tour with you guys and breaking ben Shine down, you know, bands that I was in a completely different. <laughs> I bumped my mic. <laughs> um, I was in a completely different scene, you know, when I was when I was younger, a more a heavier scene. So I, I had I had no idea about this world. I've, I've had a few different guys from those bands on, on the show, and I kind of asked them this this question about once you're in this realm, which I don't know whether you would call it radio rock or mainstream, whatever the hell you want you want, you want to call it. Um, so you know you be you, we become and kind of, in, in, in many ways we're in this situation now too where you get some success at radio you get some success in in these avenues, then all of a sudden it's it's about consistency mm-hmm. and how do you replicate previous success because in in a sense it's all about consistency because how many bands do we know that were the biggest band on the radio doing this doing that and the next thing you know they're gone or they're yeah, you know, you know and, and so the fact that the fact is being able to do this run, all the bands we've toured with, you know, these are you know, you guys are new bands. You, you're essentially the the mainstays that have kind of established them, them, themselves. Um, what do you attribute to that consistency? You think?
0: Well, again, I think we need to be not only true to us, but to to our fans. Absolutely, to some degree, you know. Like I think everybody, I'm sure yourself, you don't want to rewrite the same record over and over. But you know, once you have some success with these types of songs, if you know, very few bands can just turn and go left field like and it's gonna work you know there are bands that can do that very well like you know a band like the muse or something can just be like from one record to it to another very different but they
2: but the thing about them is they'll do five six seven styles on one record yeah they'll, you know it'll be yeah, a, a pop song and then a metal song and then a dance song you know they kind of true you know they kind of combine everything you know and they're progressive kind of in their, in yeah. their dna to, to, to a certain degree
0: yeah but yeah, and, and, you, know, the, be, you know, you get a big hit on the radio and all of a sudden, you know, the, you, you got, like I said, if we wrote, you know, something really progressive or something, you know, I, I don't know if people would take it or not, but there, there's, I find there's a real balance and we struggle with it quite a bit, you know, because yeah. we want to, I'd love to just go, you know, totally off the wall and do something, you know.
2: I think it's but, cool for, you know, I, I think we're kind of going in this situation where my tendencies are really to to think progressively because that's you know I'm I'm of the, the mind of you know uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is the best song yeah, of all right. time and what makes it the best is that it goes about four or five different places mm-hmm. in terms of it 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 covers a lot of ground it 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 doesn't follow a, a, a traditional structure um, and I think one of the downsides I think of of the radio culture or the modern radio culture and beyond rock, I'm talking about pop hip hop, everything is that it's kind of tricked us into thinking that this is the, there's only one kind of song Mm -hmm. that can, uh, grab people or connect to like the regular Joe. Um, because I don't think they, people thought about songs that way back in the sixties and seventies, you know, Mm -hmm. and that was the beginning of kind of, you know, the experimental age, whether it's the Beatles or, um, Beach Boys and stuff like that, and then Pink Floyd and Zeppelin, where shit got really trippy, and and they started kind of expanding the idea of what a popular song or popular music could could be. So I'm always in that that mindset of, all right, have your three or four or five songs that you know, okay, th- these have this potential to cross over, but with the other songs on the record, go for it. Why not? I don't yeah. think I don't think you're really going to, you know, a band I look at is Event Sevenfold. Yeah, you know where they, you know, on the the album after they that went platinum, I think you know they had, you know, an eleven minute song with, yeah. that sounded like Danny Elfman, and it was, you know, it sounded you know it sounded like a, what was it was that movie um, Nightmare Before Christmas, right? You know, um, and there's just that, and I think that's a p- part of their success. Yeah. It's be it's saying hey, we're gonna go beyond. There's another layer here of something. Um, where there's gonna be a risk taking it's gonna be like this is and we're gonna do a thing and you're not gonna hear any other band on the radio doing mm-hmm. blank
0: well you guys yeah. are great at that that's what i love about you guys you guys are you know you got some really intricate wicked riffs and really heavy but you guys got great radio songs too so i dig that i, I grew up i was very much a b-side guy yeah you know like i would uh you know i am old enough that i used to buy vinyls and right. stuff rainbow and, uh, we have means we have to drink oh, rainbow we I have mean, to we drink got a drink right mm. Mm. <laughs> the, ra- a- the, the rainbow drinking game guys yeah <laughs> but lost my train of thought sorry. on the rainbow <laughs> there <laughs> it just made me laugh sorry <laughs> so you're a b-side but guy you I, i'm a definitely a b-side guy you know because you, you'd hear the, you know you hear the radio songs if, if it was van halen or rainbow or anybody else that i listened to in the day you know, I, I'd, I'd go by, get the record and then actually flip it over to the actual B-side. B and we still, even though we don't, you know, we, we, we're remaking vinyls and stuff these days, but even how you lay out a record, you know, you'll kind of front load the, you know, your what you think will be the, the more popular songs, obviously, on the front of the record. But I already knew those songs. So I loved to get a band and then go to those B-side things, because I found that was really was the meat and taters of the band, you know, stuff they they weren't concerned about radio or anything else other than let's hey let's just make this well, I was really say, al- cool song. album cuts yeah and I love, I, I love that i love that
2: well I, I think it's in a sense it's um in many regards a lot of those things are getting lost to the wind partially because of the the way we listen to music has changed you know yeah. back then you would just you had a tape so you would have to listen to it all the way through or a record you have to listen to all the way through and it wasn't really till cd's came out where you could skip around yeah. um, and then I think something we we don't really even think about is the idea that there's just so much more music now and there's so much more other content that's in competition with our the time we spend listening to music like for me for example I have a podcast but I also listen to a lot of podcasts and that's cut into my music listening time dramatically yeah, right you know and so I, because I think people are Spending 20 hours playing Red Dead Redemption or something right, and yep. they've, you know, they're on, you know, Instagram five hours or whatever. There's all these other things that kind of, you know, but back, you know, I remember being in eighth grade, listening to Rust in Peace on the, on the school bus, <laughs> you know, over and over and, yeah. you're, you know, and, and track seven or whatever, like every, you become so intimately familiar with every corner of, of like your favorite records because that's all you had in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, that's what... It's funny, I got back into vinyl a few years back because of that reason. It was a thing that you did together. If it wasn't just with yourself or with friends or something, what's cool about it is if you... Because it is a bit more of a process. Yeah, And I do enjoy that. You'll pull out a record you know you'd be looking at the artwork you got to clean the record and then you you would listen to the whole side as you're talking about that band and stuff like that and i found when i got back into it again i was doing that and it was it was it was really cool you know i find like like you said there's so much going on in our lives now with uh stuff we can attach to that you know we just have shorter attention spans i think overall you know i've heard people where they put on a song and uh you know, they almost don't even get to the end of the song, and then they're they're hitting the next song, you Dude, know, kind of thing. I call that the terror, the terror DJ. Yeah, no, come right. on, man.
2: I know. Come on, don't like. Have you ever done the uh, turn the? You know, take the break off social media or put the phone away or for an extended period of time to kind of get back to? I definitely do. I
0: try as much as possible. You know, in my in my personal life, I'm, I, I you know, I'm a big hunter. I love to be in the outdoors and. Just for that mainly for that reason yeah to just disconnect phones go off there's no phones there's no connection to anything else and you really got to get inside yourself and i i remember you know the first times i would be out hunting and when it's snow outside like this and stuff and i couldn't sit for longer than an hour i'd be tapping my feet and everything and i'm having no success and and it's just but i had to get inside myself and learn how to sit not move be quiet yeah and do that for you know five six hours in the in the cold would you do it by yourself
2: or with a friend yeah
0: generally hunting you know depends what i'm hunting but you're generally sitting by yourself you know Mm. when you when you hunt if you hunt deer uh you know i hunt many things but uh in that case you're alone and it's quiet and you really got to get inside your own your own head just Mm. to get through it it's hard to just sit and so i you know I, i really enjoy it more for that reason than anything else i mean i like meat mainly is why i hunt but uh, that aside, I love the, you know, the the peacefulness of it.
2: So you need to be on Rogan's podcast because he he had like Hetfield on there and they talked a lot about hunting and and, and that whole thing. I I know nothing, you know, I know I'm soft. You know Ah, what I'm saying? uh, That's right. Doc is soft. Nah, not at all. Well, I actually thought about it. I was like, if if I had to do all the work, I probably would be vegetarian because I'm just lazy and so i got <laughs> so what do you want me
0: to do Let's go there and slit its throat
2: That's ah, <laughs> <Not> so much <laughs> a little, you know do i okay okay uh.
0: yeah there's parts of it that's not so pleasant <laughs> but you know again you just put it again that's another test of yourself and your mindset yeah you just gotta know that well i'm feeding my family and i and you just you, you just gotta put that kind of stuff out of your mind right yeah it's I not mean, all I, fun and games you know to feed feed people and so yeah well the
2: fun thing now is so my girlfriend is vegan so I, she probably wouldn't even let me go hunting. She'd be like, "You're not going.
0: I'll kill you,
2: motherfucker. Yo, I'll be hunting you." It's like, you know, it's funny you say that because uh, you know my wife.
0: When we, you know, I have a farm down in Indiana, and that's where I do a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of deer hunting and stuff like that. And my wife thinks it's cute. She'll want to go out and uh, sit with me or something. Oh, can I come out with you? And she just like want to take pictures or something. And you know, I'll, I'll line up on a on a deer or something. And she'll be like, "Oh, no, 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 not that one. Not that one. Not that one." this will go on for hours right like okay okay hon it's all good <laughs> she doesn't want me to kill anything but she does enjoy meat too so so there you go
2: there you go See, so you got got the angry vegans who are upset with us and then um the you got the hunters who are excited you know everyone's everyone's upset it's all right we're gonna be all <laughs> right we're, we're gonna be all right guys you know this is a this is a safe space <laughs> <laughs> so c- kind of going back to that um you know, changing the subject a little bit, uh, going back to that idea of consistency, one of the things that really fascinates me about, about your guys' story is the fact that you did have a lead singer change. Um, because I think it's so, so diff- difficult, um, to traverse something like that. And, you know, see, cause I not you know, I'm seeing with you guys on this tour and then the, the European tour, I mean, you know, you guys have a great, great fan base, you know, and uh, and especially like in Europe, like it was young kids, you yeah. know? And so it's like, it's funny you mentioned you're like, oh, we, you know, definitely need to make sure we're speaking to our fans, but clearly you're making a lot of new fans and are kind of expanding your, your base in, 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 a lot of ways. So what was that, like, you don't necessarily have to go through everything of like why the singer left or why, why that didn't work out. but. Um, how confident do you guys feel that it would like just railroad your career?
0: Well, like anything, you're never really sure. But we're not the type of people to just you know sit down and give up. None of us are like that. So uh, we, we didn't even, that didn't even cross our mind. Um, you know this this happened uh, you know pretty much at Christmas time when uh, of 2012 when Adam decided to leave, and um, we all got on the phone and we just immediately you know we had a you know in five weeks we had a, a, a co-headline tour coming up with shinedown and um you know and we just like i said we just we didn't even let it cross our minds that we were not going to do it yeah. so we just went into a mode of you know okay who's singing and at the time you know uh brad was with matt and matt was you know on a break from you know his his own band and uh so uh, brad asked him you know hey what are you doing for the next six months because you know we got some work to do and uh so he did it and he really hunkered down and he was they're
2: they're brothers right
0: yeah yeah yeah. so it, it worked out great and he was nervous really nervous you know adam was a great singer and you know that's some serious shoes to fill so matt was really nervous to do it but um, but you know he, he put everything he had into it and, and I you know I think he's amazing he's you know young handsome guys great front man and I think that's what helped us really a lot in Europe how you mentioned Europe we got a lot of New, younger fans, you know, he's a younger, good-looking dude, and he's, he's a great singer. And, and I think sometimes, you know, in, in this case, like, scandal works sometimes. And yeah. I think some of that helped us, especially in Europe, where you just said you saw a lot of that. You saw a lot of younger fans again. You know, I think maybe they didn't know too much about the face of the band. They knew the songs, but they went, what? What happened? You know, singer left, and then they really looked into it. And then when they looked into it and they gave it enough time gave Matt a chance they realized wow this guy's really you know he's great it was a tough like that first year was really tough did you guys
2: take a step back in terms of like maybe
0: ticket sales or record sales or absolutely I mean of course you would like I said that first year was really tough on us you know I and as it would some people they don't want to maybe they don't want to believe in you yeah and you have to prove yourself and uh so we just had to get out there and hammer and hammer and hammer and that's what we did and and like the, the, the first record with Matt, the, the, the good thing is right away we wrote a couple songs and Painkiller was the first song we ever had. And we really had a feeling that before the record even came out, we, we said, let's get this up on the radio, which was kind of weird in rock. It happens a lot in pop where they mm-hmm. just put out a song or just something. Just But rock radio wasn't really used to that. So it was, it was weird for them to go, what, but you don't have a record yet. But even we were working on it, but it was, uh, we just said, you know, let's do this. And the, we had a lot of great people behind us that said yeah you know three days of grace has been awesome to us and you know and they put that song out and it ended up going number one and then we put out I a a machine and it went number one and it was so you know it was great for us you know it felt good that was a really tough year though you know and i could relate because like i said i grew up on van halen for example and uh so when david lee roth left i had the same feeling so i understood people that were upset. I, I don't understand the hate, you know, when somebody wants you to die or something. I never mm. understand that. Well, technically
2: you guys you told know? everyone to hate people. So that's no. you, have, you have to own that. That's yeah, f- right. I hate that that's kind of those you guys, right? I hate Yeah. Every Yeah. So that's, you kind of brought we that. don't really hate. You, you started know. that, though. Before that there was no hate I heard. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs>
0: But, you know, yeah. I I could relate because when Van when David Lee Rossory left Van Halen, I I felt the same thing. That was that was my Van Halen. Yeah. So when uh you know Sammy came in, for example, I you know, I didn't give us a, a big chance, even though they went on to be even more successful, you know, with with Sammy. And uh Which is
2: which is one of the more rare, I think, circumstances where you know or that's the example I think most people bring up of like, oh, this is the one time it worked, and I mm-hmm. think it um And I think also because they did change the sound and they kind of became this more of quote unquote adult band Mm. and and they they kind of in a sense grew with their audience to kind of, you know, because that's what I remember when they, I was an MTV kid, so I'm I'm probably a little younger younger than you, but I remember when they won the MTV Video Award for Right Now. Mm. And Mm. that song, I mean, there's...
0: You know, huge, it's, yeah. it's like
2: serious you know it felt like yeah, right. th- we're making important serious music
0: now you know you know it was, it was a
2: different kind of look and it was a great great song great great video yeah. but even still and I was I was actually more contemporary of that era of Van Halen but still well to me it wasn't anything compared to the, the David Lee Roth to me yeah. that was always it Van was way Halen. more
0: wild and
2: yada yada but that was I think it's the idea of you know, if you get into the idea of what branding really is, not even in the, um, the selling sense or the commercial sense, to me, a, a brand is the idea that you think of, you know, I'm holding a Starbucks cup, right? Hmm. it It's the feeling you get when you think about the, the thing, the product itself, yeah, right? right? Yeah. So when you think of Van Halen or you see the logo, you feel something nah. and whatever that feeling is, that's your brand and you can't always i mean i'm sure marketing people they will literally put it into words but for someone who has a feeling about something you can't really put it in, in, in into words and um it's uh actually for some reason i just got started thinking about like are you a star wars fan yeah somewhat yeah. okay but so you know like some people don't like the new star wars movies right right yeah, yeah. so then when they think about star wars and they think about like it goes from this happy childhood form, warm and fuzzy thing. Oh, it's Star Wars to fucking Star Wars. Dude, dude these motherfuckers do what they did. You know, it's like and that's what happens when you change something that people yeah, right. are yeah. used to. Oh, I go to McDonald's. It, it better taste like this because yeah. I'm used to that. You know? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So I totally understand that. So I, I didn't let it get to me too much. You know what I mean? When that went down with us, because I know how that feels with people. They don't want what they like to change in any way that I can completely understand. so for us it was like well you know we didn't change it you know someone else changed it for us so we just had yeah. to adapt and and that's all we thought we knew we could do was just just let's just figure out how to adapt and and keep plowing away so hence when uh, so when we wrote human for example, that was the first time that um, we had we had to write on the road. You know, and we're we're not very good at that as a band. You know, what I mean? why did you have to write on the road? Well, we felt we really couldn't stop touring. You know, in a sense, we were on damage control. Yeah. You know, and we we really needed to keep uh, playing shows and getting better. Matt's getting better, and Matt, you know, needs to, it took a bit for him to find his place in yeah. the band too. You know, that's always a an interesting thing. It he, was no, he,
2: he kills it, man. I would never know, you know. that he wasn't the original singer of the band, because like I said, I wasn't, I was more of, you know, kind of someone who just heard the songs on the radio, kind of like yeah. any, any, any anyone else. And people were like, and the, and I remember people were saying like, oh man, they, man, they got a new singer, man, I don't know. And then, then I meet you guys like, yeah, that was six years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But
2: it's still like, to them, yeah. it's-
0: Yeah, for some people, it's still quote, like quote, yesterday, new. right? But yeah. it's like, yeah, it's already been six years, so, yeah. That's
2: pretty crazy. Um, no, no, I think, I think he really, he really kills it. And me coming, someone who's coming into it, um, I guess just as a new, I wouldn't say new, newer fan, but just being exposed to the band and kind of, especially you guys are with six records in, Yeah, Yeah. you know, um, being able to hear a collection of work and a body of work over a, a set and seeing how there's consistency through the way, how the crowd reacts. You know, like, you're, you know how some bands, it's like, all right, they'll play these songs and this will be kind of the big mm-hmm. hits or the, the ones that really kind of pop. But with you guys, it's the whole set. There's no, yeah. there's no
0: real down. We're very fortunate. We have some really great fans. You know?
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show.
0: Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast.
1: Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.
2: So so uh, yesterday we were um, you were kind of showing me your your rig a, a, a little bit. And you said you you were a, a guitar tech?
0: Yeah, I did that, you know, prior to, um, you know, me having success in the music. Because yeah, I did that for 10 years, working for a bunch of big Canadian bands and stuff. And, you know, to employ myself, I was still a musician, still in a band, you know, trying to make a go of it like everybody else. And uh, so I employed myself that way. So, you know, I, I, I always had a real passion for gear. Yeah. And, you know, how it works you know right from a young age you know i would set up my own guitars and i was really interested in it not to be a tech i never even knew what a tech was it wasn't for that reason it was just so i had a better understanding of how my stuff operates or how my guitar works or what what a setup is or how a guitar can play better and you know i always i always love that kind of thing right with gear
2: yeah well i mean you you were walking me through your your rig which is um we did the european tour you had the kind of like the b small smaller rig it seemed like pretty straightforward there wasn't a whole lot going on and then he, he shows me his uh, his a rig and he's like all right so here's this box that handles impedance and then it goes between the pedals and then there's another box but by the way that also handles impedance okay and um you see what's going on he starts explaining things to me and then me I, it just you know i start like seeing like chinese subtitles and stuff you know i can't <laughs> i can't make heads or heads or tails i'm like uh what i do is i plug the guitar in and then i turn the amp on and then i play it and that is uh, it is a, a cable a a guitar cable you know and he's talking about you know balanced and it goes from unbalanced and then there's a thing and i'm just you know uh i don't so how did like all these the kind of technical side of things and um is that something you just studied or you like like where would you learn about the kind of more technical aspects of well again
0: as a tech i just you know i was always learning for the guys i work for how to make things better you know this is noisy how do i get rid of that noise how do yeah. i do this it's just like anything it's just educating yourself you know and i did a lot of that because i was a tech and it was part of my job to make things better for these guys which only helped me ultimately in the end. Um having said that, you know, there I I had a guy that like the guy that's built all my rigs and everything. He, he's awesome. He you know, he worked with Eddie Van Halen he's with nine inch nails right now. He was my guy for quite some time. His name's Lonnie Topman and he's literally one of the best in the business. He's, so where does, a, he's like, a genius. Where and,
2: does he'll come to you and build it or how does how does that, how does yeah, that work? Yeah, like
0: I've rebuilt my rig a few times and even when he originally built it, you know, I have a you know, I have a big place, big garage and he would i would I'd have him at my house for a month, you know, and he'd stay with me and then we'd just talk gear every day and and he's just building everything and explaining to me and it's funny because i i like to think i know a fair amount of these things and he starts talking to me and it's so over my head right yeah he's really brilliant. So I've learned a lot from him. And then I just learned, you know, it's at some point to just, I just, I can't, I can't keep up with all that. Right. That's just way too. <laughs> so much if something goes wrong in the rig,
2: would you know how to fix it or would you're
0: probably, I probably more, yeah, I could probably have a better understanding of my own rig than my guitar tech would, yeah. which helps him too, you know, which, help, cause we're, we're a team up there. So, you know, if there's something he's not quite following, I have a, you know, a real good understanding as to what's happening in my in my sound, you know, and why. Yeah, well, you have a
2: really big tone, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I kind of saw with um, you and you're—it's not too dissimilar from from Jason Hook from Five Finger, who, yeah. even though you guys have different setups, he has an equally kind of complex and all the way it's wired, and he's using real amps, and he's not, yeah. you know, using using the the modelers, but. Um, you know, you said you had some
0: experience. Actually, try you were using a camper, or well, I I bought a camper because um, there w- there was a point a few years back where we were you know we were uh, you know doing Europe and Russia and all that stuff, and sometimes like when you get over to Eastern Europe and Russia, logistically things are tough. It's not like over here; it's not really easy to get stuff around. And and you know, over there I have my B rig, but there was some definitely some shows where our truck wasn't going to be able to make. A few so I knew on a certain tour there was about three shows I couldn't get my gear there. And my rig is a bit too complex and big sounding too for me to just throw a couple amps up on the stage and some pedals in front of it and make it work. I mean I could fumble my way through, but it's not gonna be the same. So I thought the next best thing for that was the Kemper, you know, like like you're using yourself, you know. And uh and which I, th- I thought it was great. I mean, they're getting so much closer with these things that, they're, you know, they, you could absolutely fool the audience. You know, the only thing with the Kemper for me is like they have great sounds and so much you can do with it really quick. Programming, it's really easy. You can come up with, you know, great sounds really fast. Um, I found it's just, for me, how it reacts in your hands. Yeah. You know what I mean? How it plays in your hands is where I think you, you I don't think the audience would, would notice. You know, it sounds really good to them and that's ultimately what matters. But, you uh, it's how it reacts in my hands. Yeah. You know, I'm an old school guy. Yeah, so I, I like a certain amount of volume. I like tubes heating up because you know you starve an amp a bit. You know your tubes. You can just hear hotter. just just the
2: way you'll you'll hit a note, and I it's a lot of with, with your lead parts are um, there's a lot of space, right? Like you'll just hang on a note, mm. and the way your uh, sustain just kind of carries through. I feel like you just don't get that mm. on with 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 the modeler you know in the same in the same kind of kind of way and me I'm I'm using a, a Kemper now and I partially I'd say not not even partially but primarily out of um convenience because we don't have a lot of techs and mm-hmm. also because Bad Wolves has a very particular sound that was kind of achieved on the on the record and getting to that sound with a regular amp I'd probably have to do a lot of experimentation with Pedals and EQs and and stuff to kind of get it and this and I'm basically using a version of the album sound mm-hmm. so it's more about being uh, accurate to what people hear on the, at home and then come to the show and have, feel like they're getting something that's congruent yeah um, <clears throat> but hopefully in, in as things kind of move on I can maybe do Some experimentation and going back to using a real amp because I just same thing. Like, I went and I was watching a video of me playing with my cover band, just using because I I use the EVH stuff, which I love, and I was just using like a 50 watt EVH, you know, just like a my line six delay, just playing the lead and just the way it rings, the way it kind of that uh, the kind of harmonic distortion and 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 things like that. The you know, just I just missed that. you know a lot
0: but you're kind of doing that because you're you you were doing what i was doing with the kemper which is really cool yeah run it through the head run it through the head so you've got the tube output yeah you know well it's punchy on stage so it it still
2: feels like it's got some some balls to it
0: yeah because i find they're very different because i I do have the powered one and when i just run that into a cab i mean it sounds good i'll you know we'll do rehearsals that way just because it's simple and i'll and stuff like that, but when running it through the power, definitely it helps with some of what we're talking about here, with you know tubes heating up and you know pushing a little more speaker and stuff, and you know sounds really cool. I think they're great. I think they've come so far. You know, I can see why everybody's using them, especially for logistics. You know, bands can now fly over to Europe and and have one of those in their suitcase. You know, and a few I mean, guitars. That's and, literally and, what I did. Yeah, that's it awesome.
2: My, I put it in my suitcase, and then uh, <laughs> and actually no, did I, no, I, I I kept in the rack. I lied. I put my pedal board in the, my suitcase though <laughs> and my my expression pedal. So some things went in the suitcase, guys. Uh actually it's funny, I, I brought it on. We did a press tour we had to do, do some acoustic dates and I was like, oh I'll I'll use the Kemper at like some of these studios. And literally I never needed it. So I had a Kemper in my suitcase and never took right. it out for anything. <laughs> right. So that was uh, that was that was a good idea. Um, so this is good. See, I, see, I rarely actually do guitar talks on here. This is usually about life, man. We're mm. talking about life and existing and um, you know, so for you guys, um, you know, how how like I think in a, in a lot of ways it's it's great the kind of band you're in because it's something that can exist for a long time. You know, it's like for example, you have like Slayer right now; they're doing their final tour right. because probably if they tour like five more years, like dudes will start, right. necks will start breaking <laughs> off, and arms will start falling <laughs> off, and you know those, you know, it's just. It, <laughs> After a while, you just can't 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 do that stuff. I mean, you guys see see yourselves being in one of those bands where you're just you know like the like Skinner or something. You're just rocking yeah, rocking, rocking the oldies. I
0: don't know. I get pretty tired out here sometimes. You know? <laughs> sometimes I think, oh man, I really need a break. But you know, we love ultimately. You know, all this. You know, you two are just just like me. And it's there's certain things about this this that wear you out. you know? yeah. and, but always, once you hit that stage, you know that that high you get just from, you know, fans singing back and loving what you're doing. And that that makes it all worthwhile. And that's what just keeps keeps you going, you know, through but, everything.
2: But is that the goal to kind of eventually scale it back a little bit so that the touring is not quite so rigorous and kind of tour? Or are you guys already kind of already
0: doing that? Yeah, we, I mean, we kind of do that now. You know, we're, you know, we've had enough success that we can take a little more time when we need it. Yeah. You know, so like the last record we did that when we came off the last touring cycle, we... Uh, We took about, oh, easily six months and didn't even, you know, barely talk to each other. Not that we're not friends outside of this, but, you know, everybody's got... Space
2: apart's good. It it makes you
0: appreciate each other more, Absolutely. And everybody's got families and other things in their lives, too, now that we're older. and So we can do that, you know, when we need to. We'll just say, hey, guys, let's just not, you know, think about three days grace for a while. Let's all just, you know, have some good family time and, and things like that. And then by the time then we get back into it, we're all refreshed and we're... You know, feeling really good about getting going again, you know, as as I'm sure it's the same for you. I find, you know, it's a bit of a love hate relationship. If I'm on the road too long, I really want to get home. But then if I'm at home too long, I'm right. pulling my hair out. And I want to get back on the road. So it's a it's a total. Well, in, in,
2: in my estimation, I think for every I think you can tour for like two to three weeks and still be a feel like a normal person. And then after that, you start to kind of lose it a little bit. So I think because of that, the the ideal touring kind of mechanism would be for every month you're on tour, you should probably spend a month home. Yeah. And that's how you kind of maintain that equal, equilibrium between physical, mental health, I think. Yeah. Which is why Metallic, I've probably already talked about this on the show, but they do two weeks on, two weeks off. Yeah. And even during their two weeks when they're on, they only play about three shows a week. Right. Um, and they kind of fly, and they you know they fly private, so they'll just like yeah, <laughs> have a day off. And they'll just they'll fly, fly home, home right? or do whatever. They'll, you know it's like yeah. oh we got a show in Indiana, oh we'll, we'll fly to Chicago, go yeah. you know go uh, go get dinner at Spago or yeah. something.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is a there is a balance, you know. I'm I'm kind of the same. Usually by day twenty one, I'm I'm a bit burnt, you know. Yeah. So ultimately, like you said, like a three week tour and a and a good few weeks off at least is back and forth is, it but it always isn't like that you know like you guys see man you guys haven't stopped since April well right? we, we we
2: haven't but I I feel like even though despite my reservations or kind of analysis about it I think when you have a band like us where it hits and you know like sit back you know 15 years ago I feel like there was a band like us every month there was another mm. band that was you know taking off or you know coming out of nowhere and, and blowing up but i think it is a lot harder th- these days to kind of have the rise so the fact that you have had so much success it's like we have to go now and yeah. once and when you get the opportunities like when you guys to to go to europe like we lost a lot of money on that tour but that wasn't the point the point mm-hmm. was we get to go to europe and kind of connect these dots and and meet fans and make new fans and this this uh canadian tour you know having the single go double platinum and be the first place it went gold the first place it went platinum be able to play you know uh i think it was 14 shows or something because we didn't do the first few uh with you guys but um but but to do this many shows in this many markets out here it's just not that many bands get that opportunity you know so it's it's about establishing something that will pay dividends down
0: the line. Yeah, it's like it's like an early investment. Well, I mean, we did the same thing. We didn't early in our career, we didn't do a lot of Europe, and we didn't yeah. do Russia or any of the eastern stuff at all, even when we did. You know, we really focused on America in the beginning, you know, North America especially. And it worked for us, but then not really till Matt came into play did we decide, like, "Let's make a conscious effort to get, you know, get over to Europe and we have fans over there and another great thing about the internet especially in the last bunch of years is it's really helped bands we have fans that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise if it wasn't because of the internet you know and uh, but same kind of thing the first time uh, when we started going over there same like it it was an investment and we were losing money but we knew we had to do it you have to go there they have to see you you have to prove to them and and yada yada and we did it enough times in the last five years that um, that it, you know, it's it's, a, it's eventually paid off. You know what I mean? And it's 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 been it's been great. Yeah,
2: it's um, I think it's because their system is different because like, they don't have radio in the, They do have radio, but not in the same way. Yeah. And the kind of I think the way it kind of connects in a, in in America. It to me, the bands that kind of have like the radio success in, in the states and then go over there and also have success. That gives you a better idea that. You're a fucking really good band. You have really Mm. good songs because it can kind of apply across different cultures and across different uh, promotional strategies. And like you said, with the internet, people just find it, right? They just, the video gets shared. There's no more barriers. Yeah.
0: Just open it up for people that that just... To go on the internet now so it's worldwide for these kids like there's a uh i'm not sure if we were telling you about like over in uh, eastern europe russia and stuff they have their own social media so when we were going the first time we had no idea what was going to happen do we even have fans over there right i have no idea right and then we found out someone turned us on to what's called vk which is like their version of facebook mm-hmm. their social media and they have their own thing and then we found out that we had fans and I'll guarantee you guys do too if if you haven't looked into it already in which you know we had like you know 100 100 and something thousand people on a fan page that was created by a fan yeah you know and it started like that and we were like wow you know we had no idea so then we all jumped onto VK someone said yeah you guys all need to connect on that and once we did that you know that opened up you know a, t- a ton of you know f- to a ton of fans that we didn't know we had which was really cool Right on, man. So do you? So
2: do you have any advice for a, a up and coming band like 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 ourselves that are trying to
0: trying to make it out here? What 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 should we not do to fuck up? Fuck this up? Just keep doing what you're doing, man. You guys are doing an awesome job. You guys are a great band. <laughs> oh, thank so, you. Man. Uh, just I keep being you guys, man. Because people are loving you. You know that was it. It was great when you guys came over because you know we didn't other than what we know uh, through media and stuff. We don't, you know, we don't, you never know somebody you don't know until you meet them. We didn't know. Are they cool? I don't know. (laughs) Right. And then, you know, and as it turns out, you guys are super awesome guys and super hardworking. And uh, yeah, I just keep, Stand true to yourself. Just do what you do, because man, the fans are loving you guys. So.
2: Right? I, I, I always think, you know, I'm like these guys, they got the secret, right? Barry's got the secrets. He's gonna give it to me, and he's just like, no, nah, just keep doing it. I'm like, that's <laughs> that's not a secret, man. <laughs> that, How dare you, Barry? It's I really to...
0: that, man. You guys are already doing it. That's what's cool about <laughs> it, man. It's awesome. Well, it's
2: just, you know, I I, I think because you know the this show is called the X Man because it's it thematically it had to do with me being in an, in a band for most of my life and having it not work out. Mm-hmm. So now I'm programmed kind of to be waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know, waiting kind of seeing or just seeing the cautionary tales within this business mm-hmm. because it's so easy for it to go go away because yeah. of you make the wrong record, you make the wrong business decision, uh just the the scene changes, right? The thing you were doing that was cool all of a sudden isn't cool. Um you know, or just, you know, sometimes I always, I always tell bands this, you can do everything right. And sometimes just the people don't like it, yeah. right? It just doesn't connect, yeah. whatever, right? So there's, um, you know, or whatever, the band has internal squabbles and whatever attitude problems. Just there's a million ways for it to go wrong. So I'm always um, just never never getting too comfortable. Never, mm-hmm. never like, you know, because I think the worst thing you, you can do is kind of, feel secure. Oh, we're going to be fine. We'll be this. I think confidence is great. But in terms of, um, you know, thinking that your destiny is preset, you know, to me, it's like it will not manifest unless you do the work and kind of, you know, just leave nothing to chance. Yeah, you know, Um, at least or at least that that I think as far as um, in many ways, I feel like in, in life in general. We have far less control over things than we think we do, yeah. and so a lot of a lot of what we do is about maintaining the illusion of control you know so so what I'm saying is do the you know perform in the ways you can control and kind of leave the rest to the yeah fate or the universe, however you want to kind of call it to to mm. to play out, but at least you can say, I did my part,
0: yeah, I couldn't agree more i mean you know, I totally couldn't agree more. Uh that's the way you got to be. You can never think, oh, you were set or anything like that. And, you know, you're right. Things, there's so many variables in our lives that are just absolutely out of our control. Yeah. Well, I I, I love, um, you
2: know, one thing I just want to say, you know, probably wrap it up here in a, in a couple minutes, but, you know, it's been really tremendous touring with you guys because I love your, your attitude. I mean, maybe it's a Canadian thing. Maybe it's because you guys have kind of, You've been, you know, you've dealt with real adversity in terms of uh, persevering, but, you know, there's like no ego, no attitude. You guys are so accommodating. You're like, hey, you guys need this. How can we help you? You know, it's just been just one of the easiest kind of touring bands bands to tour with that actually does well. It's funny because sometimes I've had, you know, bands that have been a little shitty or a little whatever where the shows aren't even that great but yeah. these shows are great and you guys are you know as kind of gracious and uh um helpful as any man of our so i appreciate that well
0: we thank you for that man because we kind of think we have to be it got to be that way you know we're we're all you know we're a it's a small family out here and we rely on you guys as much as you're relying on us and you know we're we're a family all stuck in this together as we're out here and you know if you're not good to one another you know what i mean that could that could be horrible later, you know. Yeah, but you know, mm-hmm. you, I can imagine you've been
2: on tours where other bands probably weren't as yeah, cool, absolutely. Right? But you know? that's not our or thing. being we petty, could...
0: you know, over like yeah, stage
2: absolutely. space or dressing mm-hmm. room space or whatever, you know.
0: Yeah. It just ultimately, at the end of the day, doesn't make for a good touring or a good show. You know, we all need to get along. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if everybody's high five and a jive and all, you know, in this case, us three bands together right now, everybody gets along. Yeah. And it just makes it that much f- more fun because it, it is tough out here. Yeah. You know, you get tired, you get worn down, and man, if you're not getting along with the others around you, then it's even going to be more miserable, right? So, but you guys are fantastic, man. We, we've had such a blast with you guys and the Nothing More guys. It's been really cool. man. Right on, man. Well, before I start,
2: uh, you know, getting all tier- teared up here and and, and, and emotional, <laughs> um, you guys have a tour coming up with Disturbed in yeah. the states. Yeah, we're so- so good. So I, I I implore everyone listening to this to uh, pick up tickets to that, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hound uh, Barry to make sure it gets me into the LA show. Absolutely, for you know, drink their, I'm gonna drink all their liquor. It's be great. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, is, anything else going on besides that you want to talk about, or are we are we good to go? That's it right now. You know, we got that coming up. bunch of festivals going on in uh, in June next year. We're going back to Europe. Back to you. Cool. Okay. Do all the big maybe maybe we'll see you see
2: you out there because I think we're trying to go in like early summer.
0: Yeah, if you guys are out June is because that's when a lot of those European festivals. Well, we just announced our
2: our tour with Papa Roach. Oh yeah, that's right. But that starts late July. That's like late summer. It's like late July into September. Yeah. But I think early part of summer. We're that's the plan. But I don't know if anything. Nothing's been confirmed or anything. So right because we're still, you know, despite all the hoopla, we're. Europe is still a little bit tougher to crack you know you have mm-hmm. to kind of grind it out a little bit and earn you really have to earn your your spots out mm-hmm. there
0: so yeah yeah well we hope we uh, absolutely run into you guys again and do this all over man because it's been a blast we'll definitely Barry. thank you so much man yeah thank you buddy
2: Was entitled "The Mountain" and it's from Three Days Grace's new album, "The Outsider." I hope you enjoyed the song. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I love Barry. He is the man. And he, you couldn't even hear it, but he has the the giantest beard, you know, man beard. And it's uh, I think he has like beard products, and you know, ch- check that out. Go Google his uh, his beard stuff. I think he has like oils and, you know, everyone everyone's got something. They, they got a hustle, you know. I got my hustle, you know. Trying to sell these T-shirts, son. Go get them, all right? Ain't gonna sell themselves, all right? I mean, it takes enough to, you know, be the kind of person's like I think, um, I think people should wear shirts with my face on it. You know, it takes a special kind of asshole for that. So I'm, I'm glad to be that kind of asshole, um, you know, and, and hopefully one or two, two, three people buy it. We'll see. You know, if I, I gotta see it on the street. You know, be nice to represent. See, Yo, what's up, man? You got an X Men shirt? That's cool. You know, we'll see what happens. See if you guys do it right. You know, because you know there's an X Man lover in your life. You know, get them get him a T shirt for Christmas. They'll love it. They will love it. Anyway, no salesmanship. I hate selling. I really don't don't like doing. I'll be honest. But um, yeah, I'm just sitting here in a just dark ass bus. And you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get the fuck out of here because it's the last show. I'm gonna take my ass home. I'm gonna eat some fucking cookies and ham and all that shit. And it's gonna be great. And seriously, if I don't uh this, yeah, this is probably be the last show before. Christmas or whatever you celebrate, uh, have a happy holiday and uh, enjoy yourself and, and try not to let this time of year stress you out. You know, me, I'm going to use it as time to relax and catch up on some movies. Uh, there's so many movies I haven't seen in the theater yet. You know, the Spider-Man movie coming out, the uh Wreck-It Ralph movie, you know, there's a lot of, you know, and, and also the, the the new Beverly, which is a theater in um, LA. It's Quentin Tarantino's theater just reopened. So I plan on going there a bunch and watching all the movies so i'm really excited to get home get some time off but time off from the road means more x Men shows so be on the lookout and uh i'm excited to to get some really great conversations you guys in the new year so thank you guys for everything and mamba is motherfucking